and welcome to Tea and Strumpets. I'm Kelsey. And once again, I'm introducing you to our fifth installment of our Escondido Public Library chats all about romance. Specifically, today is all about getting published in romance with Avery Flynn and Stacey Agdern. So today, it's all about getting published. So these authors span multiple genres and have multiple publishing styles. So this talk focuses specifically on publishing in general, and it also wanders a bit as, uh, you know, a good conversation usually does. So this episode was recorded on May 23rd, 2020. And just as a reminder that this was done via Facebook live stream. So the audio quality and editing is not quite what you're used to, but who cares with such great content. And if you want to see videos, they were also recorded on video. So you can head on over to the Escondido Library YouTube to check it out. And that is linked in our show notes. Thank you again to the Escondido Public Library and librarian Jessica Buck for inviting us to participate in these chats. Next week, we are back to our little mini-sodes on Julia Quinn's second epilogues, and that will be for Bridgerton's number three, An Offer from a Gentleman. So we hope you enjoy this talk all about getting published in romance with Avery Flynn and Stacey Agdern. again and welcome to the Escondido Public Library Romance Chat Series. We're going to be talking to different authors that span the subgenres of romance. I'm Jessica Buck, Adult Services Librarian, and I'm joined by Zoe of Tea and Strumpets Podcast. The Romance Chat Series began with the hope to bring together romance authors and readers, so we are so happy that you decided to join us today. During the chat, we will be monitoring the Facebook comments. So if you have any questions for the authors, feel free to comment and we will try to get to those. Now Zoe's going to do a little introduction before we introduce the authors and get started. Hi everyone, I'm Zoe. And before we get to our fabulous authors that are joining us today, I wanted to introduce the main topic that we're going to be discussing. So how do you get published in romance? For every person, the story is different, and today there's a lot of ways to become published. And personally, I think that as the average romance reader is voracious, it makes sense that so many of us are inspired to try our hand at it. When you consume something that you love so much, it's easy to start imagining your own stories and how you do it. But how do you take that first step? And what's the step after that? <laughs> so today, <laughs> we're going to be speaking with our authors about their journeys to being published in romance. Yeah, so today we are joined by two contemporary romance novel authors, Avery Flynn and Stacey Agdern. So Hi. Avery Flynn, hey! <laughs> Welcome! <laughs> and it was like, Avery Flynn is a, I'm going to read from this, that's why I'm facing this way. <laughs> is a USA Today and Wall Street Journal best-selling romance author. I love this part. She has three slightly wild children, a hockey-addicted husband, and is desperately He's very hoping. sad right now. Oh, I'm so oh, sad right now. Because there's no oh great sports. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, yeah. Sorry uh, to interrupt. Sorry. No. It's your introduction. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> Okay, so Avery fell in love with romance while reading Joanna Lindsay's Mallory books. It wasn't long before she read through all the romance offerings at her local library. 
Needing a romance fix, she turned to Harlequin's four books a month home delivery service to ease the withdrawal symptoms. That works. And that's for how you know I'm really old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that they still do that anymore. <laughs> I was so tempted to look it up because I was like, ooh, delivery. <laughs> they used to give you like this really cheesy, like fake gold necklace and everything when you subscribed. It was amazing. I loved it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> this is the perfect All right, time I really will bring... shut up now. <laughs> no, I have to say, this is the perfect up. time to bring something like that back. Right? I agree. So, I agree. anyhow. Hope you're listening, Harlequin. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so Avery has written numerous series, and her newest, instantly royal number one, Royal Bastard, releases June 8th. So exciting. Okay. Yes. On to the next one. Stacey Agron has written for HEA Happily Ever After, USA Today's online romance blog, Heroes and Heartbreakers, Criminal Element, Romance at Random, Romantic Times Magazine, and Barbara Vey Beyond Her Book Column at Publishers Weekly online site. She has been interviewed by the New York Times for her romance genre expertise and the phenomenal success of 50 writers on 50 Shades of Grey. She has given presentations on the effective use of booksellers at regional and national conferences and is a two-time award winner for her genre-specific bookselling. Stacy has also published in four romance anthologies and soon to be three about um, a hockey team in the New York Empire series. Oh, I Welcome, love that ladies. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much you for, for having us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're I love so- that both of you <laughs> have a connection to hockey. Yeah. <laughs> it's very fun to watch, even if you don't know the rules. And um, if you do know the rules, it's even better to watch. And if you're watching with somebody who yells at the TV, then you're amused no matter what. So, yes. <laughs> There's so much emotion involved in that game. Like you never know what's going to happen mm-hmm. at all, ever. Even if like, you know, every single bit and rules of the game, like there's always that element of, oh my God, like what's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. You know, that yep. sort of, yep. like, when you put like what? Two, one, seven, four, like 12, 14 people plus like, you know, the refs and the, and the linesmen on that, or depending if you're watching women's hockey on the, on the ice, there's, you never know what's going to happen. There's always this idea of unpredictability. And it's, that's why it's one of my favorite sports to watch. And it's so fast too. <laughs> it's very fast and yeah. it's a good time. It's a this very good time. Big time. This is yeah. my second time talking about hockey romances today, which is surprising oh, um, because I don't think I've ever talked about hockey romances before. <laughs> I'm a, oh, I'm a big historical reader, but I was speaking to another author this morning who mentioned a book called Heated Rivalry as a book that she really liked. That's a hockey oh. romance, male, male. Um, yeah. So anyhow. I know that I've read that one. Yeah, I'm just. All right. Uh, so now I'm like, yeah. hold up. She, she said she's read it 10 if memory times. Memory serves the author as a okay. Canadian's fan. That's what I remember. Oh. Yes. There I think, we go. I think it's, it's Karina, right? I'm actually not sure who the author is. She just mentioned Rachel. the name. And I haven't looked it up yet. So I'm like, oh, my phone is on the other side of the house. So I, uh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. This, this is, this is, you know, you wanted to talk about publishing and the fact that you go from like, you know, reading to someday thinking, okay, maybe I want to write. Mm-hmm. This is what happens. This is also mm-hmm. the other side of it. You start writing, but you're still such a voracious reader that, I mean, 
I don't know about Stacey, but I've never gone to an event where I haven't walked away with like a whole like list of books that I'm going to get. So yeah. And not just, not just an event, like even a coffee with a friend, you end up with 20 million books because you trust them to be able to recommend things to you um, Mm -hmm. that you're going to enjoy reading. Absolutely. Can't agree more. I mean, the, the list of books to read is miles long. (laughs) We are never in recommendations. It's great. So let's start off um, learning just a little bit more about you guys. And what we'd like to ask is when did you first start reading romance and what inspired you to make the journey from reader to writer? And so let's start off with Stacy. So the interesting thing about me is that um, I was a writer before I read romance. Um, my mom was a huge romance reader. My dad read thrillers and, mm. um, and I read science fiction and Sweet Valley High when I was a teenager. And then <laughs> I went through an extended period of time where I was catching up on the things that I hadn't read. And that's when I picked up the Austin. That's when I read a whole bunch of other books that I hadn't been exposed to before. And then there was a period in my life where I was looking for something different. I was looking for something good and looking for something different. And my mother, um, I was living at, I was at home at the time. And uh, my mom, at the corner of her bedside table, would always put something fascinating and something interesting there. And one particular evening, actually, it was interesting. I read you were talking about Joanna Lindsay um, Mm -hmm. because one particular evening she put a book called until forever by joanna lindsay on the corner of her bedside table and i couldn't resist and it was a book about a viking and a cursed sword (laughs) and an archaeology professor and it was all the things that i loved about all of the other (laughs) subgenres that i loved and didn't believe that romance could be and that was it and then I realized, wait a second, all of these little, all of these stories that I have been writing for years, you mean there's a word to describe them? You mean they're romance novels? Yeah. So that's literally how it went. It was reading generally, writing all these stories over the years, and then discovering romance and going, oh, that's what it is. Okay. You know, so I'm not necessarily sure how much of a journey I took because from, from being a writer to a being a reader to a writer so much as my journey was actually being a writer to a reader that makes sense yeah it definitely does and and it's it's really cool and and I as someone who came to romance late in my own life um I also when I found romance was like oh there's a name for this thing I I've been wanting (laughs) so like I really I really identify with that but Avery how about you Um, you know what? I came from the exact opposite way, um, mostly, uh, but like Stacy, I stole my mom's books. Um, so, but I probably, I stole like, you know, I grew up in the eighties. Um, so I stole like my mom's like old, like, um, Jackie Collins and all of that stuff. So completely inappropriate pre-reading time in sixth grade for me, completely inappropriate. But 
um, it was just everything I could possibly get my hands on. Um, and yeah, I always read a lot of romance. I, I am an omnivore reader. I read just about everything except for like military history. <laughs> um, but um, romance has always been a happy place for me. And you said, Zoe, that you love historicals. Oh my God, historical is my crack. Historical and a bathtub and a glass of wine and the door being locked, <laughs> you know, that, cause that has to happen too. Cause I have kids um, and dogs and yeah. So, but having that is like the best stress reliever there could ever possibly be because you know, I, I think the magic of what romance does for us when we read it is, you know, it's, it's an escape, but at the same point in time, it, you know, it builds us up. It gives us hope. And it takes us on this journey, but the whole time we're on the journey, we know that the ending is going to, to be a happy one. Um, and it, you know what? I think life is pretty stressful and I just don't know that there's anything better than that. So um, yeah, I've always been a reader, um, but I got to a point where um, it wasn't that I wanted something different. It was, I knew exactly what I wanted and I couldn't find it. Um, so I just... I picked up a book and it was called how to write romance for dummies and <laughs> it's actually a really fabulous book. It's totally dated. Uh, but yeah, so I did that and I went, Oh, I can do this. And I actually was a journalist for a long time. So writing is not out of my wheelhouse. Um, but so but putting it together and everything and, and started from there and there you went. And, but it's very common. You're right to hear from people who say, you know, that's how they started was they wanted a book or they wanted something different or they knew what they wanted. Um, I think romance readers are incredibly savvy people. And I think romance writers are very savvy entrepreneurs, really. And um, so when you can find that that mesh between, I think that's perfect. I think that's a perfect segue into our next question. We want to know about the books you write. All of us do. So let's start with Stacy. <laughs> okay. Um, so I was actually talking with a friend of mine earlier, and I was thinking about the answer to this question. And generally speaking, um, in the books that I write, there are a few different elements, depending. But generally speaking, if you read my books, you will find Jews, social justice, and hockey and possibly all three of them at the same time. Um, it's a nice trifecta. It's, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where like, you were talking, Avery, about the idea of looking for something, mm -hmm. looking, you know, looking for a book you didn't find and writing, my writing, my particular writing, like when I started writing, I wrote a lot of different things that led me to where I am because I couldn't find the books that I wanted with the kind of representation that I wanted. And I figured if I was, if I wanted it so badly, I might as well just do it. Like I might as well just sort of throw off the, the cover and the coding and just say, okay, I'm going to do this. So yeah, I mean, like there are always variations. Like they, they range from um, the Avon short um, home for Hanukkah to Miracles of Menorahs, which comes out in October. And anywhere sort of in between the rogue stories, any of my hockey stories will have elements of all of those things. So it's, it's yeah. 
I was very excited actually, Stacey, when we first, you know, got the list together of all the people who were interested to do this. And I saw that you were one who writes Jewish characters because there are not that many authors writing Jewish characters out there. And I'm Jewish um, by heritage. So, and as someone who's read hundreds of historical romance novels and now four contemporaries, <laughs> I've, I've been... <laughs> Increasing my tally, um, um, but I've read. I've only. I've only ever read. Well, actually, now two. I've read one book about a Jewish character. One, and it was one historical about a Jewish character. And I um, know you need to read Felicia Grossman if you had not, because she is brilliant. I know. Anyway. I, do, I do need to read Felicia Grossman. I yeah. still have a journey to America in my historical. <laughs> I'm, I'm very. I'm. I'm the Rose I'm Lerner, I'm guessing, and like. Yeah. yeah. I understand my shortcomings. I recognize them. (laughs) You know, know, especially now, like finding a comfort zone is so important. Like finding where your happy place is, knowing where your happy place is, especially when things are crazy stressful. Like it's an important thing to know. And it's important thing to, like, it's an important thing to enjoy. Definitely. But I mean, for me, when I did read the, you know, the one novella with the Jewish heroine, um, you know, and seeing her traditions get honored and and of course it's in the past. So she is more observant and I am of heritage and not particularly observant personally. But, you know, when I, when I see her talking about Shabbat and explaining Shabbat in the the novel, it was really cool. And I, I I had such a visceral reaction of Mm -hmm. like, excitement. And so anyhow, I just, I'm, I was excited to have you on and get to talk about that a little bit, but no, definitely. Like (laughs) it's, 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 it's important. Like, yeah. You know, reading so many books and seeing not your, not, not my faith represented and not my culture represented. It it got to a point where I was just like, you know what, I need to do it because it's, it's, it needs to get done. And I slowly sort of did more and more of it as I, continued on writing and got more confident in the idea and um going from home for Hanukkah to miracles of menorahs and sort of the progression in between is kind of an interesting journey I guess mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. sort of the the steps that I took to get to be able to sort of say I'm just going to write a full-fledged Hanukkah book <laughs> and to like and to heck with the consequences <laughs> not to heck with the consequences but like you know, I'm just going to write this book because I need it because it's this fuzzy blanket and this comfort zone that I need it desperately. And I know I'm not the only one who needs it. And that was the book that changed my publishing journey completely. So I am excited. So um, it's got me my agent and it got me my publisher. So. And I'm sorry for our no, no, I just wanted to say that I think romance as a genre, I think that one of the other powerful parts of romance as a genre is that there is a romance for everybody, yep. right? And that's what makes it, and you talked about representation, but that's what makes representation even more powerful within romance is that representation and romance shows that there can be that HEA, that HFN for everyone. And that, that, I mean, there's nothing more universal than love. There really is not. So when you can pull all of that in, and it's not just there's a romance for everybody, it's that romance that everyone is represented within romance. I think that's where that power is. And I think because our readers are so voracious, 
and they are so willing to try new things that we are able to, as a genre, bring in better representation than some of the other genres, simply because our readers are more likely to try somebody who is self-published, are more likely to try somebody who is, um, you know, small publisher, big publisher. They, our readers don't care. We as romance re- readers do not care. We want the story. Yeah. And we want the story that makes our heart happy. And that is why I think romance has the potential. We have not done it, but I think romance has the potential to be really powerful for representation and being not just for everybody, but about everybody. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's a, that's a, it's, a, it's a great thing to have watched like mm-hmm. over the last mm-hmm. 10 years to sort of see the trajectory of changes and to see the stories that we didn't get, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago that we're getting now. And it's kind of amazing to see. Well, and the access to them, you know, because Mm -hmm. of digital publishing, we have so much more access now, you know, one of my things and why I actually branched out from historic reading historical, so I'm with you, Zoe, was that, you know, my library ran out of historical. So we don't do, do that anymore. Our libraries don't run. It's just lovely. <laughs> it's just lovely. So, yeah. So I know we sidetracked quite a bit, but Avery, we still want to hear about the books that you write. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I... Oh yeah, we were we were talking about that. Um, I write I write books. I write yeah. I write I write books that are good. What I always tell people is that no matter what, which one of my books that you pick up, you're gonna get done. Hopefully, you will not have cried. You might have cried, um, but you're gonna put it down. You're gonna say, "Oh my god, I had a great time," and that's that's pretty much exactly what I try and do, whether it's with, you know, Hardigan series or a hockey series, or I actually have indie books that have, you know, explosions in them. Whatever it is, you had a good time. You hopefully laughed. You maybe cried, but hopefully not. And then you have, you, you feel better when you get done. That's always my. I love that description. <laughs> I love that description. Like, I definitely think it fits so well. And I love that so much. And I feel like that fits the time period of now very well. I feel like right now, I mean, romance is already a comfort, but like sometimes you just need a type of romance. No. Did we lose somebody? Sorry. I don't know, guys, but I'm frozen here just for a second. Okay. Oh. I'm not sure if you guys are seeing me because you're all frozen for me. We can see you. See you. Can see us now. Let's see. Stand by, please, <laughs> as we take care of our technical difficulties. This would be a great time for the viewers. Sorry. To ask any questions? Yeah. If they have any. Don't be sorry, Avery, if you're still there and can hear us. Um, you know, that's how life goes. Sometimes the internet is spotty. Um, so um, hopefully, maybe Avery. I, I'm going to leave and come right back. I was thinking that might be helpful. That's usually, you know, you turn it on and off again, <laughs> right? And, oh, I'm, I'm back. back. <laughs> okay. Did that work? 
I think so. Yeah, you're all in Frozen now. So that's good. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> well, I think um, I was I think I was just saying something to the effect that like that that description of your book sounds exactly like what we kind of need right now, which is, you know, a lot of the books that I'm gravitating towards are maybe the little bit like books I know that are going to make me happy, even though romance makes me happy in general. Sometimes it's just a, hard, a little bit more emotional to get there, shall we say? Yes. So, and it just yeah. depends mm-hmm. on what mood you're in for what book you pick up. Mm-hmm. I have warm and fluffy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and I. Oh gosh, I was so gra- happy this week. I picked up two new books that were both warm and fluffy, and uh, you know, it's just like so nice when you when you pick the right books. <laughs> oh my in. god. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. But so. Um, the books that you guys write, what is important to you? I know you kind of talked about the things, you know, that you include in your books already, but if we can, you know, drill it down just a little bit more, what's important for you to include in your books, like in regards to themes or representation or story or characters, like what do you want your readers to see and feel when they come out um, of reading your books? So let's start this time with Avery. Oh, yay. Start with me on a hard one. Um, <laughs> Stacey, you lucked out. All right. Um, I, what I would say is I try and reflect the world that we live in, right? So um, I, I write books that are set in Harbor City, which is fake New York City. And, um, you know, so I try and make my world reflective of that. I try, I, if I've noticed anything that sort of tends to be a continual theme in my books, a lot of times it is dealing with, um, you know, not quite feeling like you are maybe in the right spot or that you belong. And, you know, that, that, that square peg in the round hole. Um, I think I, I tend to write a lot of those characters. Um, I like those people. I was, I was a big speech team drama geek, you know nerd in high school so I think that's kind of hard to grow out of those in some ways so I guess that comes up a lot and then also really talking about um family and the transformative power of family whether it's your own or whether it is your found family and that's another great thing I think that you see a lot in romance is that whole concept of found family um I think that's really strong um especially within some of the the subgenres. I think you see it a lot in like action adventure and romantic suspense. You see it a lot in LGBTQ um, where there are that found family becomes so integral to the character's journeys. And I think that's really powerful and I love it. Absolutely. And I know Stacy, you're up. And I know that we've already sort of touched on, on, on these points, but, um, you know, same question to you. (laughs) Um, so yeah, no, I think, um, family community, um, in a lot of ways I talk about, like, I I think about like all the series that I end up writing and it's all derived from that concept of family. It's all derived from that concept of community, but also like finding your place in what that is. And um, a lot of my stuff is set in and around, with, with a couple of exceptions from the rogue stories, but basically it's, they're set in and around New York City, which is, which is, um, which is 
the the community, which is which is what I know. But it's also like even when I'm setting a story in Newport News in the middle in the or like in the middle of like um, Virginia Beach in a snowstorm in an RV, like it's it's people finding themselves and getting and like learning what they're capable of in even in like the most difficult times like that's something that goes from that story as well as miracles and menorahs um i I think that's a lot of like finding like learning what you're capable of learning the things that you're supposed learning learning what your boundaries are and learning sort of what you are what what you can do as opposed to what you've learned can't um which that is, is a great way to put that that's lovely um and it's it's a theme that i te- i seem to explore a lot in different stories um and but i think it's also like again you were talking about avery you were talking about like representation you were talking about like the sort of idea of making sure that the community looks like it actually does in reality. And mm-hmm. that's an important thing. And for me, that's one of the, that's one of the, lens, the two lenses that I use to sort of write my stories. The second, of course, for me is my Judaism. Um, you know, my sort of, the, that sort of second, second or, mo- you know, so that gaze kind of ties in, I think, with the first one um, in an important way. And I think like, Community plus family sort of also ties into the Judaism aspect. God, I can't speak tonight. You will have to forgive me. Um, but <laughs> difficult questions, long CC rambles. But um, yeah, I think that like when I'm thinking about those important themes, they both tie into the lens of my Judaism and the lens through which I see pretty much the world. So, and I hope and I try to sort of be as respectful of the world um, in that first section and then sort of, yeah. I guess, I guess that's, I, that's, that's wonderful. I mean, it's, it's great. No, I, yeah, thank I, you for sharing. Try, so. <laughs> you did great. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> it's a safe space. <laughs> okay, so. You've talked a little bit um, about your publishing journey, but if you want to tell us a little bit more about that, I know Stacy that you were writing different, and so you were been. I don't know if that's different publishing process. Um, let's start with you. Give Avery some time. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so just about the publishing process and how you got your first work published, or you can talk about how you got your first like romance work published, whatever you want to share with us. So the first anthology was the first hockey anthology. That was the first like piece of fiction that I'd ever gotten published. And that happened because I was very lucky. I was talking to a Sabres fan who was multi-published in erotic and contemporary romance. And a one of my fellow ranger fans who is also um multi-published in fantasy and science fiction romance both of whom are absolutely brilliant writers cassandra carr and isabel kelly and i said to them you know we should maybe do an anthology and they were like yes please 
And I was very, very lucky that they were both very business savvy and very brilliant because one of the things I think, um, I think you might've said this earlier, Avery, about like very smart entrepreneurs, all of the people mm-hmm. that they'll publish successfully by themselves are brilliant entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. They are they are brilliant cover designers. They are fantastic PR people. They are all of these things at once. They are brilliant knowing the various software to use. They are computer technically brilliant. I am none of those things. And so what I have discovered, I mean, and so I love doing anthologies with people um, to sort of because one of the things that I can do is I can write, I, you know, I, I'm much better at like marketing and much better about talking about books. And so that, so like the, each of the anthologies that I've done, I've learned and listened. That's the other thing you have to do. I think at every single stage of your publishing career is that you have to listen, listen to people who have trove the book, you know, had, had sort of like taken that journey before you do. Um, to sort of soak up all the information that, that they can give you and sort of maybe like, hopefully it will stick because it, apparently more of it has I thought, more of it had stuck than I thought um, did. So by the time I got to Miracles and Menorahs, the traditional process, I've been using a lot of the things that I've learned like arc sign-up sheets and all of the various specific technical details that I never would have learned, never would have known like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm using now, so. Um, but the story itself, in the middle, I was involved in an amazing project called the Rogue Anthologies, and they were fantastic. And great, wonderful stories, a whole bunch of brilliant writers. And unlike all of the other things that I write, they came from fear as opposed to something that I fully loved. And so my brain needed a rest. I needed something, I need, again, like I, you know, I needed something different. I needed, I needed a fuzzy blanket. I needed something to like cover my brain and happy with. And so I wrote, and so I gave myself that fuzzy blanket and in Miracles and Menorahs, um, just a very, very happy Hanukkah story. And I didn't know what was going to happen. I knew what I wanted it to happen. I knew what I wanted to happen to it. And I submitted it to three different places and hoped for the best for it. And one of them said yes. And I was so excited and elated. And that changed everything for me. When Tuli said yes, that changed everything. It got my agent. It got Wow. It's interesting that you say that too, when you, you know, how you say like you needed something warm and fuzzy. So you went to like really what, what made you happy and what you knew. And I, um, I'm a big fan of the TV show Top Chef and Mm -hmm. they're always saying that when, you know, when the chef cooks their food, it's, you know, that's when the magic happens. And like, you know, especially Mm -hmm. as they whittle down the chefs towards the end, they're always like, why aren't you cooking your food? You know? And Mm -hmm. I think that that really shows like, I've just had the, you know, with this series and also with our podcast, I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of authors this past year. And I'm starting to see that trend, you know, that it tends to be, and not always, I'm not saying that, oh, all you have to do is just, you know, write your thing and then it'll work out for you. But it, it, it does seem like, 
you know, when, when that kind of magical, magical moment happens, it, it does often lead to some, something exciting. So very cool story. Thank you. I think also like, I think a lot of it happened because I listened and I wrote and I spent all this time learning the tools I needed to be able to figure out what my story was, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily think like I could have written this book earlier in my career for a lot of different reasons, but. Absolutely. So Avery, what about you? How, how was your publishing journey? <laughs> um, I've had a bit of a, a mix up. I'm a hybrid. So a hybrid author is somebody who publishes traditionally and also self-publishes. Um, I do not self-publish nearly as much as I used to anymore, which um, if you're a control freak like I am is kind of sad. But, <laughs> you know, it is the way it is. Um, I actually enjoy working um, with Entangled quite a bit. So, um, and, and I will have more news coming out soon, but I can't say it yet. So, um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I think it's interesting what Stacy said about, you know, listening and learning. I, I think specifically with romance, um, it's a very on-the-job training type of profession you know we learn by reading um we learn by asking questions and i think that's why it's very important to find um fellow authors who are going that path that you want to go um who are willing to share and i will say that i think most of the people who have been successful in the romance genre are very generous about sharing. I mean, if you're genuine, they're going to be genuine back to you. Um, and so, so that's really nice, but yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, bought in the chair, putting your fingers on the keyboard type of a situation, um, with it. I mean, you, you've got so many options now. I mean, you can self-publish, you can go the traditional route. Um, you can do something in between like a hybrid. There's, there's a million things you, that you can do now um, to get published in romance. And it really is finding your voice, which I think is what I would call what Stacy was talking about with the finding her story and the Top Chef thing. Every author's voice is very unique. And I think because we, a lot of us learn on the job, sometimes in the beginning, our voice is not our own. Our voice is the voice that we think it should be. And I think that comes through in the books, you know, and you have to work through that point to find out what is that little voice in my head that maybe in the beginning, I'm too scared to use, you know, or I'm too worried what my grandma's going to think, or I'm, you know, whatever it is that's holding that voice back, you just kind of have to block it out and just let it through. I mean, some people call it a muse, whatever you want to say, but that author voice is what is really unique and you're right once you are true to that particular voice it makes the writing process so much easier very exciting and inspiring it makes you, <laughs> makes you wanna maybe type something up you know <laughs> type it up um, start one sentence then go to a paragraph and then go to a chapter so that's how it goes <laughs> yeah it really is you eat the elephant one bite at a time. Uh, so if we dig into like 
publishing and the actual process a little bit. Um, we have quite a few kind of little questions about that. So um, feel free to answer this, you know, from, from your perspectives in, in either traditional or self-publishing or we're just, you know, however. But so like, what would you say the hardest part of getting published or publishing is? And it can, I mean, to it, it's a bit of a personal question. I think it's, it's to you and your experience. So um, start with, uh, I don't know, you both look confused. <laughs> I feel like I'm did, uh, dooming someone no. here. No. Um, um, okay. <laughs> I would say the hardest part is always whatever you're doing at that moment. <laughs> I mean, I hate to put... I like, I hate naming books. I hate naming books like nobody's business. I am horrible with titles. I hate that. Some people are fabulous at it, you know? Um, after it's done, I'm like, oh, that was so easy. Why am I whining? Every book I've ever written, I have completely forgotten how to write a book within like four chapters, right? I'm, I'm like close to 30 books at. Still, every time I will turn in a book to an editor and I'm like, this is a piece of crap. Enjoy. Good luck to you. <laughs> you know, and, and everybody's process is different. Some people are in love with their books when they turn them in. I rarely am. Um, but that's because it is. I think whatever you're working on at the time is hard. Every part of publishing is hard. Every single solitary part of publishing is hard. You're going to get told no repeatedly. You're going to get told the way that you do this is completely wrong. You don't know how to write a book, right? You, which if anybody ever tells you that, ignore it. Everybody writes a book different. But, you know, this is not a industry for people who are going to walk away the first time that, that they hit a roadblock. It's really not. There are so many roadblocks. And each time you pass one over, you're like, yeah. And you need to take that moment to celebrate. And then you will open up your eyes and realize, oh, my God, that success goalpost just moved down the street. What a jerk, right? And, and, and it's every single time, you know, at first you're like, as soon as I get an agent, if you want to get an agent and you get the agent and then you're like, oh my God, that was just the beginning. It's like, if you've ever walked down Vegas, right? If you've ever walked down the strip in Vegas and you see the building and it's right there and that's where you're going to have drinks and you're like, that's so close. I'm just going to walk and you're in your big heels because you're in Vegas. And then you get, see, you've done this. And then you get like, you swear to God, you've been walking for four years and that building is still that far away. That is publishing. So I am sorry. I know that's not really super cheerful. It's all hard. It's, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. It is a lot of work, but it is worth it. It is worth it. I, I promise you by the time you actually get to the hotel in your painful heels and your feet are bleeding and you get to sit on the little chair and somebody brings you a gargantuan drink that probably costs $20, it's worth it. It's worth it. All right, Stacy, you go. <laughs> oh, so in that context of shifting goalposts and shifting everything else, I'm going to talk about something very, very specific. And that is story length. Now, I spend half my time, I would say, 
the first couple things that I wrote were about 30,000 words. And then I wrote four 15,000 word stories only to get to the point where I had to go, oh, wait a second, I'm writing a book that is 80,000 words. And it's that extent, like changing your, getting your brain like prepared to write a full book and then switch again and go, wait a second, no, you can't, this story is not an 80,000 word book. It's literally the shifting goalpost of word count and changing mm -hmm. your thought process and your writing process every single time to be like, no, your end point is here. It is not on the other side of the street. It is literally in front of you and you only have like five steps. You know, it's that idea of the, you know, the short, the 20, the 15,000 short, it's that, that 15,000, 1500, 15,000 word short story the 20K, the 30K, <laughs> and then going back to the maybe 10 and then possibly an 80,000 word. And no, this one is supposed to be 60. It's, it's, it's the shifting word count and making sure that each story, every single time you write one is as good as the one before. Wow. Changing that length. Tough. <laughs> that, is, that is the consistent, like as everything else changes, that is the consistent for me. That is the consistently different. <laughs> so our next question, and this can be about your own like personal process or even just publishing in general, what's the most confusing part that you've experienced? And I think, I don't know who we started with last time. <laughs> Me, I with jumped in. Start with Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my God. So we talked about, you were, Avery, you were talking about how the shifting goalposts. Mm -hmm. And the most confusing part for me has always been that first step inside the new goalpost. Or like when you have, okay, you know, you're, you're going through like, when you're going to that, that drink on the, you know, when you're going to that building in Vegas and you now have a key to the door and you're first, and when you're stepping into that room for the first time when you're, with your drink, what do you do? Yeah, like you're supposed to be prepared and it's like a brand new stage and it's exciting, but it's also confusing hell as hell because how do you do this? You've been doing this a certain, you've been attempting to make it to this point for so long. You don't know what you're supposed to know or not know when you're at that next stage. And it's like, all of a sudden there's a ceiling up there. Wait a second, it's, you know, and then you're like, oh, wait, you can go this way or that way. But you're still like adjusting to the rules of that next stage and not knowing what to do and what the rules and what those rules are. And I think there's always that sort of point where you're like, okay, maybe I've got this. Maybe I understand now where I am. And then you have the next question and it kind of goes confusing all over and it goes confusing all over again. But that that period of going, 
when you don't know the rules yet. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Avery? <laughs> Um, you know, just kind of the yes and that. I think the romance is always changing, right? Um, what genres may be hot, how people are publishing, what you're doing. Are you doing chirp? Are you doing this audiobook deal? Are you digital? Are you print? Are you trade? Are you doing a, you know, a POD? Are you, you, there are a million different things in there. Um, and I think everybody at some point in time in their career well actually on a continuous cycle within their career they're new at something and so one of the big challenges is and one of the big confusing things is when you are at that point in your cycle where you're starting you're walking in that room and you're like what's going on um you know so you're starting something new there are people who have you know 50 books under their belt but maybe they've been all traditional and now they're trying an indie that's a completely different world. It's really strange to be, un I shouldn't say strange, but it is unsettling to be a newbie when you've, when you've come from a place of comfort. You know, So I think with romance, especially just because our readers are voracious and our readers are willing to try new things, so they're adventurous. So I think for that reason, um, you know, romance folks are always having to learn how to do something new. And so that can be a challenge and a bit disconcerting. Definitely confusing. Definitely. Um, throughout your publishing processes, was there anything that turned out to be easier than you anticipated? Like something that you were worried about that then you, when you kind of went through the process, you were like, oh, that's actually not as big of a deal as I thought it would be. Um, maybe start with Avery this time. Um, I would probably go with something really simple like formatting books. <laughs> yeah. If you go through the, um, you know, if you self-publish, um, and you have a Mac, I'm not sure if Vellum is available, not on the Mac yet, um, but Vellum has continually developed their software and made it super easy to format your own books. Um, it literally is, is cut and paste, um, so, or open a new file. You know, so that's definitely something that's easier. I, um, I don't know about Stacy, but I, I, it's both easier and harder than you think it is to go get blurbs from other authors and ask them to help you promote your book or, you know, use those networking opportunities. Um, it is the most um, nerve wracking thing in the world to send those emails um, or to make that call or God forbid, ask somebody in person. I would rather avoid that at all costs, but um, you know, that sometimes, you know, once you get it done, it's not as bad as you thought it would. It's not a complete punch in the nose, but, you know, you still hate doing it. <laughs> so actually, that's that was actually what I was thinking of, uh, the sort of blurb, asking authors for blurbs. Um, um, and doing it during a period like now has been, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> my my anxiety and my angstiness has been off the charts for this um but I it's it's been a process it's been a ridiculously insane process because the last thing you want to do is bother someone now um but 
so far it's gone much better than I ever expected and ever dreamed. Starting with like, um, I organized an arc sheet months ago and like, according to friends advice for years. And I, I literally was like, and one of the people that had signed up was one of the people that I dreamed of having blurb this book. So literally I was like, okay, well then. <laughs> the most difficult task in the world and it's now a third of the way finished. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, that I must mean, have been a relief. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was big time. It was like, hello, dream person. You have just requested this book and okay. <laughs> But yeah, like, you know, and obviously like not every book is going to be this easy, obviously, you know, and because that's the thing, like being a former bookseller, like, and being like up to my neck in the business for a long time, like I know not every process is as easy and I don't, and I think that because I spent like 10 years as um, um, a romance buyer for an independent bookstore, I have kind of a different perspective on certain things in conjunction with the years that I spent in dearly departed review magazines, sob, um, of, of all the different formats and things. And I, so I have different like views on reviewing and on process, but I have, because I've been involved for so long in general before I had a, so have a solo book out. Like I, I know, um, sort of, I know that things aren't going to be all easy and all sunshine and all roses. And I totally don't. And I totally expect at some point in my career, it won't be as easy as it is now, if that makes sense at all. So I'm like not taking this at all, this process, this happiness for granted at all, because it's going to, it's going to get more difficult. It's going to absolutely get more difficult. Um, well, we'll hope for easy times for you because yeah. I feel like we all deserve some easy times, at least for a while. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. Absolutely. so next question, we're all told don't judge a book by its cover, but let's be honest, we totally do. What is your involvement in the covers of your books? And did you like the process? <laughs> <laughs> Did you like the book covers? Like, let's see. Um, I think Avery this time. I might be wrong, but let's just start with Avery. <laughs> um, I'm actually I've I've been everywhere. I've had absolutely no input. I've had total control. I've had, hey, we're in the middle of the process. What do you think about this? Um, so I'm I'm very lucky um, with Entangled right now that they they do consult quite a bit um and they do try and make you know the covers fit the books and and you know all of that good stuff and I've been working um with Liz long enough at this point in time that um she knows when I answer whether or not I actually like it whether or not I say yes or no um <laughs> but they're you know they're really great um cover design is such a huge talent to have and I think the people who are amazing at it are just worth their weight in absolute gold um cover design is something that can be done by non-professionals for sure um especially with a lot of the programs and, and things that they've got now but when you have somebody who just has that imagination and that artistic ability it takes it to a completely different level 
a completely different level. Um, I have had covers I've hated. Everybody does. <laughs> I've had covers I've loved and then they changed them. Um, or, you know, it's, it happens, you know, the, I come from a journalism background and, you know, journalists can't control what the headline is. Right. So the cover is really like your book's headline. You know, you just kind of got to do the best job with your part that you can and hope that the rest turns out. So there you go. But I've been very lucky. I love <laughs> a lot of my covers. No, we love them all. I love both of your newest ones and your upcoming. They're great. What about you, Stacey? So um, Tuli gave me, Tuli and Lee Hyatt gave me the gift I never knew I wanted. It was that cover, I can't even, like, my brain, I, I think I, I, like, I gave them a list of things I wanted and said, listen, it's okay. I understand that all of these things can't possibly be on one cover. I know that. I understand. I prepared myself. <laughs> and yet I got this beautiful, brilliant, amazing, like, I, I, I literally started crying when I saw it because it was so beautiful. Um, Side catching. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally, I, it, it, it tells the story of that book so completely. Um, I am, I am, I am overjoyed and so excited and happy. Um, Kate Willoughby did the fifth question cover that short story comes out in June. Um, that was completely unexpected. I was so like, it was kind of amazing and sweet. Um, Kim Miller does this, like, so Kim Miller does the, um, the stuff for the Empire series anthologies and she does a really good job. And it's just, it's just a, you know, basic, like sort of general cover design. Um, Definitely eye-catching. Yeah. It's like you got like, we have the big, <laughs> like, right? Like if you think about hockey romances in general, they come in a couple of different sort of formats and this is one of them. And she just, she, sort of each of the books go together really really well um the back the various like hockey elements she chooses to include she chooses to include in each cover and it just works really well um and um and zoe york did really great did a really great job on the um on the rogue anthology covers and now i have to figure out cover design for my stories when i bring them out again <laughs> That's going to be interesting. Um, that's going to be a journey, but it'll be a good one, I think. So what advice would you, do you wish that someone had told you before you set out to become published? Um, should we start with Stacy for this one? <laughs> I vote <know>, yes. <laughs> My list is really long. <laughs> Um, um, don't give up. It will take a while, but don't give up ever. Um, if this is something you want, keep going. Um, publish, publishing will change. Remember who you are, learn who you are. Um, listen to the smart people in the room. They know what they're talking about. Um, and um, 
Um, one more thing, and I'm trying to like exactly kind of put into words, but basically like kind of be a beacon, I guess. Like, I think a lot of the things that I'm doing now, um, I'm doing like sort of give a helping hand to those who need it, whatever that is. Um, you know, whether it's like helping an aspiring writer um, with their first manuscript, whether it's, you know, like sort of give, give your time to people who need it. And so, because a lot of people did that for me as I was coming up. So um, it's definitely important to remember because this one of the things that, um, that we've kind of alluded to about the romance community in general, but especially romance writers is that Romance readers are voracious, but romance and romance writers are willing to share, and they're one of a lot of the most kindest people on the planet. And like, in order to sort of run with them, as it were, not run, but like, not that. Basically, they're the kindest people on the planet, and like, the way you repay that kindness is by paying. Mm -hmm. pay them and be paid forward. I think so. that's some great advice. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Avery? Um, I would say the biggest three pieces of advice that I can get are um, one stolen from Nora Roberts, so you know it's good, and that is get your butt in the chair and just write. Um, it sounds very obnoxious, when you've got 4,000 things going on in your life and you're like, but I can't, I don't have time, but it doesn't have to be hours. It can be 15 minutes. It can, you know, whatever it may be, find your time, get your butt in the chair and, and write. So that's number one. Um, number two is everybody has a different process. Sometimes every book has a different process. Sometimes the process you try out stinks and you have to go back to an old one. Whatever it is, just kind of go with it. And if anybody tells you this is the one way you must do something, unless it's something like, you know, don't give away your copyright, you know, don't, you don't listen to them. <laughs> don't ever give away your copyright. Um, and, <laughs> and then um, I would say number three is the importance of, of building a network, whether it's through an association like Romance Writers of America, whether it is at a local writers group level, whether it is just, you know, somebody that you happen to reach out to that you end up with as a mentor or a mentee, but find your group of people who understand what a weird world this is and um, can offer you support. You could be their support, they can be your support and it's a knowledge base and it's a shared brain and um, having that group of people is really important and then the need for it does not go away. There are people who have been in this business for decades and decades and decades who still have their group of people who they depend on um, and who depend on them. It doesn't go away. It's not something only for newbies at all. So I would say definitely that. Those would be my three. But my real list is like 480. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we appreciate thank you both so much. 
So we have a few fun, quick questions before we're done. The first one is a Facebook observation and then question. It's been so enjoyable to hear Stacy and Avery interact and share their perspectives. Are you longtime friends or did you just meet today? <laughs> um, I believe we just met today, but I have read the road books. So there you go. So it depends on what you want to define me as. Exactly. We thought that was cute. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And so then um, a hard question um, also, which is, do you have a favorite romance novel? And uh, so we'll go to Stacy first. <laughs> the answer no is perfectly acceptable, but you know, we do like to have an explanation as to why. <laughs> um, so I kind of have a couple of formative romance novels, I guess. Yeah. Um, I have a whole, I have a huge kind of like keeper shelf um, near um, in my bedroom, like right by my bed. So like I pick up some of them. Um, but when you talk about um, formative ones, the first one is definitely Until Forever by Joanna Lindsay. That was the first. That's always going to be the keystone for me. Um, Susan Grant's Star Princess. Um, Candle for Nick, Lorna Michaels. Um, that was the second um, of Lorna Michaels's two Jewish-themed silhouette romances. And I didn't know that until last summer. Um, but it was important to me to read. And then Deirdre Martin's Chasing Stanley which is a book that's kind of consistently under discussion for a lot of reasons. But for me, um, it wasn't the first hockey romance I read, but the first formative hockey romance because it has a Jewish heroine. And I was like, it was one of the things that led to me writing hockey romance because I was like, because it took that book to make me realize, wait a second, I mean, I can write a hockey romance, even though I'd been like, a, you know, a Ranger fan for how many years and like, so I did take that book with me to um, a Rangers playoff series at the at Madison Square Garden. So. <laughs> so yeah, those are my three formative books. Brilliant. Avery? Uh, I do not, I, I, I am that jerk that every librarian knows who walks in and says, I want the book. It's about the thing with the guy and it's got the cover and it does the thing. Oh, look, she rolled her eyes. Yes. <laughs> I will tell you that I have gotten so good, <laughs> especially when it's a movie and it's like, oh, it's a movie with Tom Cruise, but wait, it's not that one. And then it ends up not being Tom Cruise. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm, hi, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. So I do not have a favorite but I have auto, a lot of auto by authors who, you know, never go wrong, quite frankly. Um, and I think I tend to go by that more than I do um, do by book, um, personally. So uh, if we're talking hockey romance, um, 
Serena Bowen is quite mm-hmm. frankly my top. I love her. And she's actually a fabulously, generously nice human being who I've probably scared on one too many occasions by being loud because she's quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she's, her books are fabulous. So if we are talking hockey romance, I think Serena would probably be my number one. Uh, my number two would definitely be Kate Meter, mm-hmm. who I love her hockey series like nobody's business is really fun. Um, and so, yeah, you just really can't go wrong with those two for me. Thanks for sharing. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, we always love to hear people's favorite books or ones they recommend because it just adds to our list that we don't mind making longer. And if we end up buying them, it's okay because they have lots of friends. There you go. They won't get lonely on that TBR. Nope, they won't. (laughs) So I have my favorite question that I get to ask, and I'm very excited. So what is your favorite library memory? I know Stacey is just like revved and ready to go. All right, so my brother, um, I grew up not very far from the Warner Library. Um, it's my childhood library. It's, um, I spent hours there. Um, and specifically, I have a younger brother who's about two, who's two years younger than I am. And during the week, my mom and I would go to the library, my mom, my brother, and I would go to the library and we would get like a ton, like a huge, huge, huge stack of picture books. Some for me exclusively, some for my mom to read for my brother. And because I read very early. And so I would read the picture books, I'd read the hardcover picture books um, because of the vocabulary that I was able to sort of pick up. And the problem was that I would, by the time we got home from the library, I would have read about half my stack. <laughs> And so there was at a certain, at a certain point in my life, my parents said, okay, that's it. You cannot read in the car. No. Because we only, you know, we went to the library like once a week. And so like, you had to like keep the books till you had to like make sure, make the books last till the the next week. (laughs) So it was literally like I had to, so I was not allowed to read in the car. Because I had to, so I could not read the books that I had just gotten from the library in the car. So, <laughs> to this day, I cannot read in the car. I'm very impressed. I wish I could read in the car. I get car sick if I start. I that, well, that's that's the the same. I I can read on my phone for a very short time now, but like I can't read print in the car. Mm-hmm. I think okay. I could read Hanging Upside Down. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'll read anywhere. Um, for me, it was, I remember getting my first library card. I mean, that was a big deal. That's like, you know, when you're a kid, that's on par with getting your first yeah. bike. You know, that's your, you know, you're practically an adult. You've got a library card. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's your first taste of freedom. I remember that. And I also remember a librarian recommending Bridge to Terabithia to me which I loved, like nobody's business. And um, and so, yeah, that's, those are definitely two of my favorite library memories. 
know, when you said that, I just totally sparked my memory of getting my first library card, which big deal. I, I, it was a big deal. And I yeah. remember it specifically because it was like the first time I had to write my signature. As a kid, you don't have a signature yet, but you have to like sign the back of it. And I remember like being like, what do I do? And I must do this in cursive and like, you know, I'll just, but what, but it did, it felt very monumental, like, and very like grown up, you know? Yeah. When I signed people up for library cards, that was my favorite part when I would hand the kid the Sharpie because they they signed your Sharpie on the back, like, okay, here's the Sharpie and I have to sign your name. I was like, how do I sign my name, mom? It's like so cute. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my God. It's adorable. It is. Um, Do you guys do a summer reading game? We are, right now, we actually have a spring virtual activity Mm -hmm. challenge that's going on. Oh, that's cool. And then we're going to have our usual summer program, but also virtual. Um, so it's been a lot of fun planning that because <laughs> everything we had planned was in person. Oh, no. Yeah. No, I just, yeah, like, we still do them. I think we do a winter too. So love we love doing that stuff. Kids love it too. That was another, that's another one of my big childhood memories is participating in the summer reading game at the children's room. They had this like, so Warner Library Children's Room is the sort of the bottom floor of the library and it's pretty big and pretty bright. And they had this like fluorescent yellow wall. And that was where they put um, this huge fluorescent yellow wall. And that was where they put sort of the game board for the summer reading game. And it changed theme every summer. And I remember like going up to the library and giving in my, you know, going to the desk and giving in my books and and getting the stamps to be able to put up on the wall. It was the most amazing thing on the planet. I was so excited and so proud. I couldn't wait. And it was just like the most, it was the best. So like it made some read it made summer reading so much fun like it was fun anyway but like it made (laughs) I even find like logging my books now on Goodreads I'm like oh am I gonna hit my little reading challenge you know like I've never thought of this before but I'm like oh I'm seven books ahead in my reading challenge Mm -hmm. like so no I mean it's fun to gamify everything even things you Mm -hmm. love like just Mm -hmm. more reward so We want to wrap up with a couple of final questions here for you guys. So the first question is, what is next for you? And uh, we'll start with Avery. Well, I've got Royal Bastard, which is coming out uh, June 8th. Uh, It is a very fun little rom-com. It is Fish Out of Water. It is a guy from Virginia who uh, ends up going to England. So it's the Swamp Road. And then on June 22nd, I have my next hockey book come out and that is Loudmouth. And um, there's just, there's a lot of me. I've been quite at the beginning part of the year. Now I'm ramping up. So those are my next two big ones. Awesome. Stacy. So the next for me is the fifth question, which is going out in the newsletter or the news magazine, I should say, of... Lucy Eaton, who is one of the one of the most talented people I know. She's fabulous. She's a brilliant writer. She's a brilliant marketer. She's just absolutely fantastic. And the fifth question is the wrap-up to my rogue series. And it also ties in that series with a character from my M with the New York Empires. So it kind of ties those two together. And it's kind of like a Passover story with a twist. Um 
story. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun story. It was based on a lot of the Zoom standards that I went to this year and kind of like processing oh and like God. how to. And because it's a um, because it's a rogue story, I felt like comfortable writing about all of the the sort of the things surrounding Passover this year and like what was going on with the high sort of draft choices and like how they're dealing with this process and like the heroine is a moderator of a chat room so it's kind of and like she's also connected to one of the rogue characters so cool cool that's first and then and then um june 9th is roughing it with kenzie mcclear and isabel kelly and my story in that has a female goaltender um trying out for the empires and her hero is the third of my emerson siblings um he is an artist and he also has visions. So, and then, kind of excited, it was fun with that. And then, um, and then Miracles of Menorahs in October, uh, on October 13th from Thule. So, awesome. Busy years. <laughs> yeah. So then where can readers find you and where can they get your books is our final question for you guys today. Stacey, you want to start us off? So you can find me at www.staceyagdern.com. That has all of my information about where to find my books, where to find me. Um, also on Twitter at NYStacey or on Instagram at SAgdern. Um, this is an amazing time and I had such a great Thank you guys for hosting. This was wonderful. Thank you. We're so great. We've had so much fun. <laughs> but, <You know? laughs> we'll say that again at the at our at the end of our, our little thing. But um, how about you, uh, Avery? Uh, you can find me on social media. I'm on all platforms. Uh, I think most of them are Avery Flynn. I'm at AveryFlynn.com. You can find my books online, in bookstores, and um, since it's been a no-signing season for very good reason, uh, I also have a store on my website, and you can buy signed books if you want them, and I'll send them out to you. Um, and oh. uh, I also have um, a Teespring shop that you can reach through the website, and that's actually to raise money for charity. And we do a different charity each uh, quarter. And this quarter, we are supporting Feeding America, which supports um, uh, food, food pantries throughout the United States. And it's all funny, like reader swag, like t-shirts that say bookmarks are for quitters. So it's fun stuff. <laughs> and I wanna let our viewers know that your books are also available for checkout by um, Libby, Overdrive, on Hoopla, and Cloud Library. Yeah. So we got them all. Somehow yes. we have them all. I think that's awesome. I, I say yes. I love being in libraries. <laughs> so I want to thank you um, for joining us today and for staying so long with us. We're a little bit over, but I think we just had a little too much fun chatting together. <laughs> Before I close, I'm going to let Zoe talk a little bit about her podcast, Tea and Strumpets. Yes, uh, shameless plug here, but uh, yeah, I have a podcast called Tea and Strumpets. Uh, we review historical romance novels, primarily Regencies and Victorians, and uh, you can find us everywhere you get podcasts. 
also at romancepod.com is our uh, website. And um, in the month of June, we are going to be celebrating Pride Month all month on our podcast. So we're going to be doing two uh, queer uh, romance novel reviews, historical romance novel reviews, and we have two queer uh, writers who write queer historicals coming on to speak with us. So an exciting month. So if you want to hear more about that, you can find us everywhere that you get podcasts. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like so much fun. Yay. I'm so excited. I just found out. So this is me just finding out. Yeah. yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm really jazzed about it. So <laughs> got to read really yeah, good books and talk to people and really exciting people. So, you know, it's just more of the same fun, awesome time. So. Absolutely. So I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but our Spring Virtual Activity Challenge is still going on through May 31st for babies, kids, teens, and adults. Watching this um, live chat is one of the activities, so you can already get a point and possibly win an e-gift card. So that's a lot of fun. On our website, we also have a list of all of our free digital resources and all of our events. So check that if you're interested. And we hope to see you next week for our chat on Saturday, May 30th with authors Rosemary Wilhite and Tamsin Parker. So thank you ladies oh, for joining good. us. And we're- <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was so fun. This was yes. just a blast. <laughs> it's Absolutely. hard to say goodbye. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but we'll, we'll see you next week. Tea and Strumpets is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Betsy. We're the Dinner Sisters, two sisters taking on the nightly challenge of dinner. Every week, we test and review three recipes from all over the internet. We post new episodes every Sunday to give you some dinner inspiration. One of our favorite things about podcasting is being together as sisters. Here's a clip about our relationship, and a little bit about food. I bake it. I pull it out to the table. And I take it off. And Brian's like, is that fish not gutted? What is going on? Yes. So I had not gutted the fish. Had there not been fish guts all over the place, I think your kids would have thought it was cool. If you'd like to join us for dinner, you can find us at www.dinnersisters.com, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll save a spot at the table for you.